look at me and say, oh, well, I shouldn't feel bad because, you know, look at you kind of a thing. And like, absolutely not. It doesn't matter how much hair or the reason for why you're losing the hair. The process is the same, but you still go through a grieving process. This is Alopecia Life with your host, Deanne Graham. You'll hear interviews with specialists in their field and parents who are helping their child move through life while living with alopecia areata. Along with conversations with alopecia rock stars who are making a difference. Alopecia Life is here to provide you with support, accurate information, inspiring stories, and life hacks to help you navigate the world of hair loss. Whether you've just been diagnosed or have had it for ages, Alopecia Life has been created to share all the information you may want or need to do alopecia your way. Welcome to Alopecia Life, episode 15, and our guest today is Rachel Bronston. She is a health coach, a stylist, an amazing overall person. I met her about six years ago, and she is featured in Head On Stories of Alopecia because she's so incredible. And when you listen to her, you will understand what it means to be a stylist in a world where people are looking at you for credibility and and when you don't have hair, what does that mean? And she's really carved out a niche for herself in this profession. And I'm so delighted to share her interview with you today. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us on Alopecia Life today. Hi, Deanne. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. You're welcome. I've been really excited to have you on to hear about all that you've been doing. I know you guys are really busy. You personally have just got um, a certification in health coaching and you are Mm -hmm. also a hairstylist. And like we talked about before, that's much bigger than the word stylist. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But why don't we start off by talking about your personal alopecia journey, how that started and where it kind of led. Okay. Yeah. So for me, I was first diagnosed with alopecia about 10 years ago, maybe a little over 10 years ago. I was 36 and I was at the end of my second pregnancy when I noticed my first little spot in the back of my head. I would say probably within six months of finding that first spot, I probably lost at least half, if not three quarters of my hair. Um, just scalp hair. But as anybody going through this can imagine, it was very traumatic and had a lot going on, just having a toddler and a newborn. And like you said, I'm a hairstylist. I've been a hairstylist my whole life. So my whole life has been wrapped up around hair. So definitely struggled in the beginning with that a lot. Uh, For me, I found that it was honestly probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. It forced me to do a lot of internal growth. And because of it, it brought about an amazing career and has really helped change my perspective on life and just how I raise my children and just a number of things. And it even led me to meeting my husband and inheriting two more children. Even though it was difficult in the beginning, it ended up, I think, bringing me into a a much better place just as a person and just in my life. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Aram, your husband and mm-hmm. and the kids, because I know that that is, it's kind of a huge piece of your story. And when, mm-hmm. I, first, when I first met you guys, you had been together for just a little while and you were, you know, going to be getting married within, I think it was the next, the following year after we met. Yeah. And you guys kind of wanted to make everybody throw up around you. You're like, oh, they're so in love. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We still do that. I know. <laughs> no, it is really a, an awesome union, though, to, to see that 
that alopecia did really initially bring you guys together. And, and then Absolutely. the fact that you just were meant for each other was really incredible. Yeah. So, Yeah, very fortunate. So Aram and I met at an alopecia support group pool party. And I'd had alopecia for probably five years almost at that point. And I'd been struggling with it. I, I, you know, was wearing wigs and and very secretive about it. I think honestly, I was probably still in in denial for a long time and was starting to, to really feel the weight of that. And I was getting back into hair. I'd taken a little bit of a break, just having kids and really just trying to figure out you know, my direction and how could I be a hairstylist and not have hair and, and like a, a lot of these kinds of things were going through my mind. And I was in a relationship at the time where my partner wasn't as supportive as I needed as far as is being myself at the thought of maybe not wearing wigs anymore and, and just being open about my alopecia. And so those were really weighing on me. And then my youngest daughter developed a few spots of alopecia on her head. And at the time she was about three, four. And I really got me thinking, you know, how is I going to raise her? How was I going to, you know, teach her to be a woman with alopecia? And would I want to put my four-year-old in a wig? And for me, that's not something that I would want to do. I wanted to empower her and teach her to be comfortable in her skin and love herself and own who she is and really had to take a look at myself and say, well, what are you teaching her by being afraid to even open the door to the mailman without your wig on and you know, not going to the pool with her because I had a wig and things like that. So I was really kind of doing a lot of soul searching and decided that it was something that I needed to do was to be more open and was really feeling depressed and hindered about having to wear a wig. I was re- resenting it. Whereas at one time it helped me to feel good. I no longer felt good when I put it on. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that it was time for me to make some different steps. And so I began to work up the courage to start that process. And I started seeking out support from the alopecia community, trying to connect with other women who were living openly bald and, and just embracing their alopecia. Definitely something that I knew I needed to do for myself. And it's not for everybody, but for me, it was just something that like my soul was calling to do. And so long story short, or medium story short, I found out that there was going to be uh, this pool party in a, in a couple months. And during this time, the relationship I was in was, was ending and I pretty much knew that it, it was over. And so the very first day that I went out in public without my wig was to this pool party. And that was the day that I met Aaron. <laughs> Ironically, it wasn't anything I was looking for. I was, you know, done with relationships. I was just, you know, ready to focus on myself and my, my kids. And I literally walked in the door and he gave me this funny look and didn't even talk. Mm-hmm. And later found out it was because he was speechless when he saw me. And we just had this instant, like, I don't know, it felt like, you know, I'd known him forever. And very shortly after that, we started developing a really deep friendship. And then it per- very quickly moved into a relationship. And within six months of meeting each other, he asked me to marry him. And then a year later, we were married. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, we have, you know, the part that makes everybody sick is that, you know, we do definitely feel like we're soulmates. It's not something that either of us really believed in before we met each other, but we have this 
connection and we realize getting to know each other that over the span of our life, we've literally missed each other by inches and miles. You know, we've traveled the world and missed each other probably at airports and we have mutual friends and, you know, lived in the same areas as each other and just always just kind of missed each other. You know, the timing was never right. And what makes it really great is that why Aram was at the party is that his daughter has alopecia. And so it's been really amazing in gaining two more kids to also, you know, be able to offer support and be a role model for her as well. And and honestly, we've, I think, helped each other along the years, just as we both moved through the, the journey of living with alopecia. Right. And you talked about wearing wigs as being something that, that felt good at one point, and then it progressed to a point where you just weren't feeling you were, you weren't feeling as authentic and you wanted to reveal mm-hmm. yourself and just be more you. And mm-hmm. how has that reflected in what you do as a stylist? And I know like we talked about that earlier, it's the stylist is so much more in how this has really developed your career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, because I had alopecia and was a wig wearer for a lot of years, you know, I really struggled with trying to find wigs that would fit me. I have a petite head and, you know, I was young and, you know, I like to be a little bit more edgy. And so for me to find wigs that would fit, that would look natural. And, you know, I really struggled finding them. And so I started kind of self-teaching myself to be able to, to feel somewhat comfortable in a wig. And I realized as part of this process, when I was trying to figure out, you know, asking myself that question, you know, how could a hairstylist with no hair be a hairstylist? What are people going to think? You know, is that, mm-hmm. how is that going to work? I realized there were other people like me out there that needed the same things that I had learned. And it happened one day I was in uh, the salon and a woman had come in and she needed somebody to trim her bangs on her wig. They ended up sending her to me because at the time the other staff knew that I wore wigs and she was frustrated and, and looking at my bangs as I was wearing a wig at the time and said, you know, I wish my bangs would do that. They can't because it's a wig. And I said, well, actually they can because this is a wig. And I go, and I can do that for you because I cut these. And her face lit up and her whole entire body language changed. And it was just so exciting for her to meet somebody else who understood her frustration and could help her. She -hmm. could verbalize or just point to an area. And I got it because I've been there. I've been sitting in that chair feeling the same way. And Mm -hmm. so it was kind of at that client at that point that I realized that I think that I could create a, a niche for myself in this business and that there is a need for what I've learned over the years. And so that's kind of progressed into what I do now, which is working primarily with women going through medically related hair loss. And I do help them find alternative hair solutions that are that work for them. I'm pretty creative. And then really what I feel like I do most is coaching and working to empower people to find a way to move through their hair loss journey with a little bit more peace and a little bit more support and finding ways to empower themselves along the way because losing hair you do have to find that you have to find this kind of inner strength to be able to move through it and embrace it and make peace with it yeah absolutely do you feel like you i everybody's an individual and i totally totally get that but do you feel mm-hmm. like generally speaking that hair loss is 
you can treat that the same as far as sensitivity to what's going on in that grieving process and whether the, the woman you're working with has cancer or alopecia. You mean, is it the same? Is yeah. That- yeah. Yeah, is- absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and that's one thing I tell my clients because I get people in with, you know, all different forms and stages of hair loss. And, you know, I might have somebody with just one patch of hair and then they look at me and say, oh, well, I shouldn't feel bad because, you know, look at you kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. like, absolutely not. It doesn't matter how much hair or the reason for why you're losing the hair. The process is the same. I mean, granted, there may be varying degrees of that you know, as opposed to one patch to complete and total hair loss all of a sudden, but you still go through a grieving process. Mm-hmm. You still, it's still something that you're aware of and that affects you emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, you know, on all different levels. Mm-hmm. And so that's definitely something that I really work hard to get my clients to see is that they need to honor and acknowledge those feelings and, and honor their process that it's, they are going to go through a grieving process and that there are a lot of stages to coming to terms with hair loss, regardless of why or, or how much. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that you're a really great person to talk to about that, the cancer piece of it, because I know a lot of people spend so much time with alopecia saying, well, at least it's not cancer or from the mm-hmm. other side of it, strangers saying, well, at least you don't have cancer. So it's kind mm-hmm. of this interesting I don't even know what to call it, where they're, people are telling you you shouldn't feel as bad as you do because you're not, right. you're not as sick as someone else. But then we're saying, we're not as sick as someone else. Why do we feel so bad? So right. when, yeah, when you're working with people who have cancer, you're also working on a different level, right? Because they, have, they are sick, they are ill, and, and something is happening in their body that they also need to recognize and be. I suppose my question is, do you feel like hair is such a a focus when you get diagnosed that it's hard to kind of come to terms with the physical piece of what's going on with you with cancer. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. So a couple things. So, I mean, I hear that all the time when people come in and, and that's their first thought. you know, well, I, I really shouldn't feel so bad because I, I don't have cancer, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm not, I'm not sick. And I tell them, I'm like, absolutely. Like that's definitely something that you need to think about just to keep perspective you know, because that there is something to be grateful for in that. Mm-hmm. However, that doesn't discount the fact that this is a very difficult process. Mm-hmm. And, and just for me, because I work primarily with women, I mean, men absolutely have their own difficulties in dealing with hair loss. But I feel like for women, there's a little bit more just, I mean, historically, culturally, just within our society is there's a lot more wrapped up around hair for a woman. And so you have to acknowledge the fact that this is a very traumatic thing to go through. In dealing with my cancer patients, I mean, yes, they're dealing with, with cancer and, and often feeling terrible. And so there's that aspect of it. But especially for the female clients that I work with, losing their hair is, is probably initially the most traumatic part of what they're going through. I mean, it's almost like they haven't even had a chance to kind of get to having to wrap their heads around the cancer and the illness itself, because what they're dealing with initially before they really start feeling bad from, from the chemo is hair loss, because that usually comes within one to two treatments before it's really kind of, you know, taken an effect on the body. Right. And so it's very traumatic. And I think for cancer patients specifically, it's also a realization when they lose their hair of 
the severity of you know what they're going through. It, it forces them to have to accept the whole thing. Right. And, and that's and that's hard. And for their partners as well. I find watching their, their partners having to watch their loved one going through this, that the hair loss is really, it really signifies the reality of the situation. Right. Well, because you can't get away from that, the idea that when you are bald, you are sick. And, and then you have to, right. like people, outside people look at you and go, okay, this is what this is. And yeah, so I, I can see that that would be extremely challenging. I think I heard a statistic once that said 30% of, of women won't even consider getting chemotherapy because they're going to lose their hair. I mean, that that is a shocking mm-hmm. number to me. If if that's accurate, yeah. I probably need to reference that and look it up. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I actually don't think it's that that far off. Where do you see the future of your coaching and integrating it with being a stylist? I recently finished up a certification to be an integrative health coach. And what that is, is, is I, I look at nutrition and, um, you know, lifestyle choices and things just to help people optimize their health. If they're struggling with different things, I try to, to find ways that they can support themselves to just feel better essentially. And that's all encompassing. So we look at food, we look at exercise, we look at things like your career and your relationships and your levels of joy and how often you're able to be creative. I mean, there's like a a lot of different aspects. And I find that in doing the, the work that I do, because it's not just hair, I'm really working with people on different levels that I end up doing a lot of that anyway. And so that's what prompted me to go to school to get a little bit more official education on it so that I could better support my clients. And I'm finding just that's what I really love about what I do. It's not so much about finding a hairpiece that somebody likes. It's more about working with them on that emotional level and just helping them to empower themselves and and just to feel better, to to find more joy in their life. And so I'm hoping to be able to offer more of that to my clients on an official level. I do work with a lot of people going through hair loss. So that has an effect on people. You know, for example, you know, some people can get really depressed when they're going through their alopecia journey. And so that can have effects on other aspects of their life. It can affect your food choices. It can affect your energy levels, you know, it can affect a lot of different things. So just to kind of help tie it all together and just offer support and accountability for people to find better ways, feel better in their life, basically. Yeah. And I think that we all, actually not all of us, but so many of us go, okay, this was not available for us and I have access to this now and why wouldn't I want to share it with other people? And I Mm -hmm. think that that's just an awesome way to approach an experience that that we can make better for all the people who are coming after us. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know for a lot of what I offer are all things that I wish that I would have had. Totally. You know, it's like, I feel like I had to learn the hard way Mm -hmm. (laughs) on this. It's exciting for me to be able to offer services and support and resources for people, you know, because I know how helpful it can be. I've, you know, been there and, you know, and I have other friends and and other people I've met along the way that have been in that same place. And so Mm -hmm. to be able to offer, to be able to have more resources available for people Mm -hmm. now, I think it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. And one of the things that we talked about earlier and that I enjoy, like I look forward to every day to when you are in the kitchen and posting photos of your food because <laughs> I'm not kidding you. They are so beautiful. And I go, I want to eat that right now. Every single <laughs> thing you post and I go, oh, 
And of course, Aaron's like, I love this and I love you. <laughs> so yeah. It's always funny to watch that, just to watch that come up on the post. I'm always like, okay, Aaron's going to post any second now. But I really am excited because I know potentially you're going to be working on a cookbook in the future. And would you, yeah. say, would you say that you're, you're more paleo, autoimmune protocol? What do you want to call your, your style of cooking? In all honesty, I would say my style of cooking is bio-individual. And so, like, I'm not attached to any one quote-unquote specific diet. Like, I'm not 100% paleo. I'm not 100% autoimmune protocol. Um, I look at, and this is part of what I, when I coach people, I look at the individual because no one food is right for every person. And especially when you are dealing with inflammation and autoimmune issues within the body, find different things work for different people. And I found that just for myself. I mean, I've over the years have had other autoimmune disorders and issues that I've had to, to really work around and, and work to heal. I've just found for myself, like no one thing ever worked. I had to kind of tweak it and, and tweak it as I went along. So my my recipes, I'd say for the most part, are more anti-inflammatory, some a little paleo, so not a lot of grains, no dairy, you know, whole foods, a lot of really fresh organic ingredients. Mm-hmm. And I try to make them somewhat easy because I've got four kids and a busy life. So I don't always have time to spend hours in the kitchen. So I try to make them fairly easy, but just healthy and interesting and, you know, lots of flavor and texture and, you know, cause I do cook all the time and you can get bored easily. And like mm-hmm. I said, I've got kids too, so I have to keep it interesting for them. Right. <laughs> so, so I'm looking forward to maybe, you know, getting a cookbook and just kind of sharing again, what I've come across, what I've found works for me and uh, hoping to inspire others to, you know, be able to eat a little better and still have fun and, yeah. have some interesting dishes. <laughs> yes, that's going to be exciting. I'm I'm I'll be first one to order for sure. And what would you say? Do you have any great snack ideas for kind of anti-inflammatory ones for for kids really that those easy ones that maybe we can pack in their lunches or they can have right after school, something that's, you know, as, as simplistic as possible, I guess, because that's, that's the thing, right? These days we are so limited by time and we are like, okay, we want to feed our kids great, but what can we give our kids just to snack on? Mm-hmm. Well, it, I would say it depends on the age in part, but, you know, and, and again, it's, it's hard to say because all kids are different. And it depends, I think, on if there's other autoimmune issues, if it's just alopecia, or if maybe there's, you know, some digestive issues, which I find a lot of people, you know, more and more people are having um, autoimmune related GI issues. And so with that, it's, again, it's really difficult to say sugar, processed foods, you know, things with additives. Those are all things, obviously, to avoid because they do cause more inflammation in the body, which can irritate the immune system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, whole fresh foods, fruits, vegetables, you know, nuts if they're tolerated, trail mixes. I've made like fruit bars. So you just use dried fruit, like dates and, you know, maybe some nuts or seeds if you can't do nuts and just put it in like a Vitamix or a blender. You can use a little bit of coconut, you know, things like that just to and make a paste and then spread it out and um, just chill it 
And then those are like little energy bars, so to speak, is what I call them with my mm-hmm. kids. I put in sun butter and like dates and, you know, maybe some other dried fruits and things. And they, they love things like that. They're pretty easy. You can just make a big batch of it and keep mm-hmm. it in the fridge. Uh, apple and almond butter, that's always a big thing for my kids. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Those are great suggestions, especially for when, you know, our kids are running out the door for all their activities. They do just grab one of those and go. So awesome. <laughs> and I'll do sometimes little individual Tupperwares in the, in the fridge with, you know, already cut up fruits and veggies mm-hmm. because I find if the kids have to do it, cut it, they won't do it, but if right. they can just literally grab it out, then they'll be more inclined to eat it. So, you yeah. know, little carrot chips with guacamole or, you know, mm-hmm even like a cashew butter kind of thing. So Yeah. And Mm -hmm. would you have any advice for parents who are just starting on this journey with their child with alopecia? I think the first thing that that I well the first thing that I do say to parents when when I meet them when they have a child going through it is get them connected with other people that have alopecia. Because I think, especially for kids, it can be, well, it's isolating for, for anybody dealing with, with hair loss, but especially for kids, it can be especially isolating feeling because, you know, there's a lot of I guess, politics within school that they have to deal with, a lot of dynamics with other kids. And so for them to right off the bat meet somebody who is at peace with their alopecia, regardless of whether or not they live openly bald or wear wigs, but get them connected somehow with, with somebody so that they can see that there are ways to, to live life and to navigate successfully with alopecia. Yeah. Um, because I think it's, it's scary. So to be able to see that is, I think, really helpful. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you so much. And I know it's always appreciated. I mean, it, it's time and time again, I hear the same things, you know, support, really getting mm-hmm. that outside support of somebody who gets it is mm-hmm. key. And and it doesn't necessarily matter how loving your family is. I mean, your family can provide so much for you and that's wonderful, but that outside mm-hmm. support is is incredibly helpful for sure. It is. And I think the, the other thing too is just kids are always looking at their parents for their reaction. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for the parents to just see the child and say, you're amazing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you have hair and, and this is hard, but we're here for you mm-hmm. every step of the way. You're not alone. We're going to find the ways that work for you to navigate this. And I think just giving the child some freedom to kind of figure out what works for them. If they need to maybe do a little, you know, talk at school just to talk about it to let the other kids know, or if they need to send a little flyer out to to people to let them know, or if they need to just keep quiet about it, or you know, it just support the child and and where they are and know that that's going to change. Yeah. Because where they are today is not going to be where they are tomorrow, and that's okay. Yeah. But you know, just honor where they are each day with it. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks so much for being with us, Rachel. I really appreciate it. And you've given us some great insights, some great recommendations for kids. And I just look forward to hearing more of what's going on in the future. And when people are looking for you, how should they find you? I have uh, essentially two businesses. So my coaching business is Inner Flame Coaching. And you can find me at innerflamecoaching.com. And then my hair business is Hair Peace, P-E-A-C-E. And it's hairpeace.us. Fantastic. So I will put those in the show notes and we can have people find you that way. Super excited about that. Great. Well, thank you so much, Deanna. It was a pleasure. 
Thank you again for joining us on Alopecia Life, episode 15 with Rachel Bronston. And remember, you can find her at innerflamecoaching.com or hairpiece.us. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Join our Alopecia Life Facebook group and find out more information at headonlifecoaching.com. The information on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and is meant for general information purposes only. If you're enjoying these episodes and finding the tips helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to and download podcasts.